In that second reading we just heard, St. Paul says in this letter to the Romans in the 10th chapter, whoever confesses, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus Christ is the only eternal Son of God. He, through his death and resurrection, has brought salvation to this world. If you enter into that, if you actually believe it and live it, you are brought into the fullness of salvation on this planet and eternally. In six weeks, we're going to be invited to enter into the holiest days of the year when we don't just remember the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus through which he brings salvation into this world, but we're going to be invited to somehow enter really into it, to have that grace renewed in us. A good number of people, including many of you here today at the Easter Vigil, are going to step up in public and they're going to say, we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. We believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead. And we want to have that fullness of salvation breathed into us through baptism and the other sacraments of, of initiation. The rest of us who have already received those sacraments, hopefully at Easter, are going to stand up in public and we are going to say, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead. And I ask God to renew that power of salvation in me through the entire grace of the Easter season. Lent, which most of us entered into on Wednesday, is pure and simple, purely and simply, the six weeks of spiritual preparation for the grace of those holy days and the Easter season. The goal is to be maximally pure and maximally open to receive and live those graces. So on Ash Wednesday, most of us received, and I'll repeat it for any of you who weren't part of that, the fundamental spiritual agenda of Lent, repent and believe in the gospel. That's what we heard and we said amen to when we were blessed with those ashes. I don't know anyone in this community who is going to move to a hermitage or a mountain or out into the desert for the next six weeks. I believe all of us are going to be here. What we're going to do here with our regular lives, including very busy lives, is make the choice to pull back and to, in our very busy lives, try to be focused on sincerely, one day at a time, repenting being more aware of, honest about, and turning away from my sin. I'm gonna try one day at a time for the next six weeks to be much more intent on what is it to be a disciple of Jesus? What does it mean to live his love today and to actually do it? Many of you have already had this experience. Six weeks, if you live it casually, is gone in a snap, particularly if you're old like me. Six, I don't know what six weeks ago was, like. 1974 was six weeks ago, as far as I'm concerned. Six weeks lived intently during Lent. It really is a long time. So I encourage you to do this. The great thing about Lent is you don't have to wake up and say, what am I supposed to do? We're given the guidance of the church. In my experience, the best guidance is to take the gospel reading every day, which you have cited in the bulletin, to read it and reflect on it. We're all given guides to do that. You're offered a guide in the bulletin, a pretty substantive reflection and action guide for each day of Lent. If you're a child, 
you've got access to a daily Lenten reflection online from Brother Francis that's cited in the bulletin and you can get off our social media or the Religious Ed website. We've got these three traditional disciplines, prayer most importantly, fasting and almsgiving. If we practice those day by day in Lent, they're just meant to guide us and focus us. So we've got the direction, we've got the spiritual guidance, we've got the disciplines to focus us. The question for every one of us is, am I going to choose to live Lent? No one is going to force anyone to live Lent. I really encourage you to live this, and I hope that these readings are an encouragement for you to do it. Again, the older I get, the Sunday passages in Lent, I think, are particularly encouraging for people who are actually living it. So, first reading is from the book of Deuteronomy. This is set 13 centuries before Christ. It's about our spiritual ancestors, the people of Israel, led by Moses, one of our fathers in faith, who have been set free from slavery in Egypt. For generations, the Hebrew people have experienced the misery of actual, physical, complete human slavery in Egypt. They have experienced that God has entered into their slavery God, it turns out, loves them in a deeper way than any other people in the history of humanity. They're God's chosen people. God has entered into their slavery. God has shown them how he will free them from slavery. It's quite a struggle. It takes some time, but God does free them from slavery in Egypt. And God sets them out into the desert for 40 years to travel to a new land where God will have them settle. So in the passage we just heard, it's 40 years into this journey. Moses, their leader, describes in the passage we just heard who they are and who they're supposed to be in following generations, up to our generation. If you just listen to that passage, or if you even read it sincerely at home, you can read it and say, well, that's lovely, that's great, I get what he's saying. If you take a few minutes or a little time to reflect on it, what that passage states is huge. There is all kinds of experience, 40 years of experience behind what Moses says. So let me tell you one traditional way of reading that is from three fundamental human temptations. Moses states who his people are and who his people are meant to be moving forward. This includes us with the experience of three fundamental temptations. First one, pleasure. We have been set free from slavery in Egypt. And when we went out into the desert, we got hungry because there wasn't enough food. We wanted the pleasure of food, which is a very good pleasure. Instead of pursuing the pleasure of food, which is a very good thing, in God, who set us free from slavery in Egypt, we turned against God. Instead of turning to God for pleasure, we turned against God. We sinned. And today, we're different. We have turned away from our sin, and we're not just talking about this, we act differently. We're taking the first fruits of what we've grown, the wheat, presumably, whatever it is, and we're offering it to God. 
God doesn't need food. God doesn't need any of the produce of the Hebrew people. We're taking the food we have and the best of it we're first offering to God because we're saying we are pursuing pleasure in God. You get that? That is really big to say we've been sinners, we recognize it, we've turned away, and we're not just talking about being different, we are different. Number two, pride. We were set free from slavery in Egypt and out in the desert after we were hungry and received miraculous food from God, we got thirsty. What a shock, you get thirsty in the desert. And instead of turning to God, to ask God to provide us with drink, the way God provided us with food, we turned on God and we demanded that God give us drink. You can't make God do anything. God is God, it's ridiculous. Pride, we put ourselves, ridiculous, at the center of reality and told God, you do what we tell you to do, pride. Instead of living ourselves in God, we put our pride before God, and we are different. We have turned away from that. We've renounced pride apart from God. And the way that we live this, again, if you just read this passage, we acknowledge that everything we have is a gift from God. Very profound. Everything we've got has been given to us by God. Everything we seek, therefore, is gonna come from God. Number three, huge temptation. Every person, every time and place. Power. We were, hello? We were set free from slavery in Egypt. We're out in this desert and we're told over and over again, there's only one true God. There are all kinds of false gods on this planet. We should follow the one true God who set us free from slavery in Egypt. It's never happened before in human history. But out in this desert, we see other peoples, other nations, false gods and their supposed power. We're attracted to them, which is fine, but we've given in to them. We go and we not only pursue, but we even worship false gods like molten calves. We have sinned. Instead of focusing on God's power, we have pursued power apart from God. And we're different now. We have renounced that and we've returned to the one true God. It's not just talking about it, but we bow down to worship God in that passage. God doesn't need anyone to bow down. God isn't changed by my bowing down. My bowing down is about who I am. I recognize the eternal power of God and that I am living in that power. Pleasure, pride, and power. In that passage, Moses and his people say, we have sinned, we have lived pleasure, pride, and power apart from the true God, and we are different. We are now pursuing those realities in God. You get that? Once again, I'll start over if you don't nod your heads. Yes? Great. So those are perennial temptations in this world. If you have time this week, go back and read the story of creation in Genesis. It's a story, but it's a story that reveals to us the truths of our origins. When you read the story of Adam and Eve and their fall away from God, you will see in that pleasure, pride, and power. Not just from the Old Testament, 
but forever because of Jesus, the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, who becomes a human being. So shift to the Gospel reading. In the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, after Jesus is baptized and he's revealed to the world as the Son of God, before he begins his public ministry, he goes off into, where does he go? The desert. Bing, 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 bing. Desert, desert. For how long does he go into the desert? 40 days, 40, bing, 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 40 years in the desert, 40 days in the desert. So in Luke, it says that the Holy Spirit with whom Jesus is filled moves him out into the desert. So this is where God the Father wants him to be for 40 days. In the desert, after 40 days, he confronts the devil, just like Adam and Eve, just like the Hebrew people. The devil tempts Jesus in the same three fundamental ways. These aren't the, the fundamental human temptations, but clearly they are very important fundamental human temptations on which to focus. The devil says to Jesus, after 40 days, one of the most obvious statements in scripture, Jesus fasts for 40 days and he's hungry. What a shock, he's hungry. So the devil says to Jesus, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Pleasure. It's a very good pleasure. He should be pursuing the pleasure of food. He is the Son of God. He can turn water into wine. He can turn bread and wine into his presence. He can turn stones into bread. The critical temptation is, do it as I tell you to do it, the devil. Jesus quotes scripture and he rejects this. He will not pursue pleasure apart from the will of God, his Father. I'm shifting the order here just to keep a pattern. The devil tempts him with pride. He somehow takes him to the parapet of the temple in Jerusalem. The devil quotes scripture. So when your Aunt Juana starts coming back from that storefront and throwing scripture passages, just, you know, don't always take everything at surface value. The devil quotes actually the psalm we just sang, Psalm 91. If you're the son of God, throw yourself off the temple because the angels will come and rescue you lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus responds, quoting scripture as well, much higher authority about scripture than the, oh, by the way, everything the devil says is false as from the beginning. Pursue yourself, your pride, show that you're the son of God, according to me, the devil, not God the Father. Jesus refuses to do it. Third temptation, power. The devil shows Jesus all the power of the world. The devil says, I have been given all of this power and glory, a lie. I can give it to whomever I want, a lie. I will give it to you if you just bow down and worship me, a complete lie. Jesus is tempted to have all the power of the world on the devil's terms. He refuses. Pleasure, pride, and power. The Son of God has the same temptations that you and I do to pursue these realities according to the will of God the Father or otherwise. That revelation of who Jesus is at that moment shows us who he's become. He has lived a fully human life. He doesn't get there as just sort of the Son of God with a human coating. He gets there as a real human being. And those temptations don't go away. 
they're continuing throughout his ministry and they come to their fulfillment or their depth in his crucifixion. Pleasure, let this cup pass by me. Pride, if you're the son of God, take yourself off the cross, save yourself. Power, so then you are a king. Pleasure, pride, and power are fundamental realities that in the best of times and the worst of times, every human being must choose. Will I live these in, in God's way or otherwise? So I hope those passages are really encouraging to those of you who are already living Lent to put this together. We have been saved from everything, not just slavery in Egypt, from sin and death. We are God's final chosen people if we are part of the body of Christ. If we truly profess, confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, we have the ultimate chosen people reality, now and eternally. I have sinned. I have lived pleasure, pride, and power very much apart from God very much apart from Jesus. This Lent, I am trying to be different. I am trying to pursue those realities in every detail of my one day at a time life, turning away from sin and growing in faithfulness to the gospel. That can be a real backdrop for each day of Lent for all of us this week. That can be a backdrop it should be all through our lives. And the last gentle push. If you're sitting here and you're choosing not to live Lent, either because you don't want to or because you just haven't been paying attention, it's 2022. The world is falling apart. We have been through two years of a pandemic. If at this point you don't think the world needs you to live Lent, stop sniffing glue. Thank you for listening. To learn more and to get involved, go to stpatrickparish.com.